Welcome to the Leadership Lowdown. You found us right here on Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vershero, and I just love the opportunity I have in this guest chair to uh, actually have a chance to meet and talk with some amazing people around the state. We're asking for an old friend of ours from the show from uh, that's been with us about a year ago, and we've asked him back because, frankly, he's got a great story to tell, wonderful leadership concepts and ideas. And so I am humbled and honored to have with us today Pat O'Keefe, founder and CEO of O'Keefe. Pat, welcome to our show. Vic, happy to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you back. And, of course, you're a busy man, so if I can get you stopped for just 10 minutes uh, and to talk to you for a while, that's a real victory for us. And so we're glad you took time out. For those that missed our first opportunity when we were together, tell us a little bit about O'Keefe and what uh, your organization does. You're the founder of it, and you run that organization. Tell us what you guys do. So we are transactional financial consultants. So we're basically hired guns for events that happen in corporations that are usually non-recurring. So what would that be? That could be a sale, it could be a merger, it could be an acquisition, it could be having trouble within the business, it could be a need for uh, debt or equity to finance the business, it could be uh, litigation, so where you know the company has a make or break breach of contract that is impacting the business, and we get hired in as experts. I give testimony all over the United States on you know, business disputes and dispute resolution. And we're good at what we do. We've been doing it for 21 years now as O'Keefe, and I've got a great team of individuals with offices in Phoenix and Grand Rapids and Bloomfield Hills. And it's a good group of people. I enjoy coming to work every day, and the, the work is very challenging. I'll bet. As you were unpacking all that, Pat, I began to think to myself, my gosh, what kind of level of expertise do you have to have to be in the world that you live in? And so tell me, you didn't graduate from high school with all that. How did you get some of that kind of level of expertise? Where did that come from? What was your experiences? You know, that's a good question, Vic, and I often sit and pause. I really take for granted the life experiences I have, and I think you know, to anybody, it's just being involved and getting involved in unusual things. I had yeah. an interesting career starting in public accounting. I was also the CFO of a very large home building operation and a real estate development company, which got me my expertise in debt restructuring as I lived through the failed SNL crisis and been through a lot of recessionary cycles and was a partner at Deloitte, which gave me the opportunity to the corporate world and being with big companies and seeing how they operate and dealing with some issues there. And then I got into the turnaround field as a result of those experiences, which were unique, especially when I was involved in real estate development, struggling with trying to find financing when there really wasn't any. And I think every little experience has, you know, added an additional tool in my toolbox. And one of the things I didn't even mention is I'm the CEO of two mezzanine funds that are backed by the state of Michigan and 16 financial institutions called Grow Michigan 1 and 2. And our second fund really geared to help minority businesses. We've got a great team there of advisors and partners with that. And I also, as a result of my real estate expertise, fell into a transaction where I'm now the CEO of a diabetes research company called Glycadia, which I'm hoping can get a diabetes drug to market soon. And in my board experience, I also serve as a member of the Michigan State University's Board of Trustees. So, you know, we start tapping all the things that you do in the course of a day and start, you know, putting those tools away, you realize that the toolbox gets kind of heavy to carry, but it pretty much can handle any situation. 
Well, and no doubt. And I think what's really interesting is uh, there's no way that you could ever be bored, not with all of those things going on in your world. And I think what's interesting to me, Pat, is as you think about some of the things you discussed and mentioned, it strikes me that there's got to be uh, some pretty high-stressed individuals that are working in and around you at all times. And you've probably got to bring the calm to that whole discussion. How do you manage that? Am I right? That is some pretty high-stressed stuff. Well, it is. And you see people make very bad decisions in stress. And I will tell you this, Vic, and it's kind of interesting. You know, people abuse business owners all the time thinking it's such a panacea. But the reality <laughs> of it is, is being a business owner is a very lonely spot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of middle market companies really don't have the support in terms of outside board of directors or partners that they can talk to. And as a consequence, when you're in the middle of a stressful situation, who do you turn to? And, you know, a lot of times business owners feel that they are the ones that have to solve the problem. They are the ones that have to figure it out. And they operate within the stress that they provide income for families who want to send their kids to school who depend on the livelihood of their, you know, check earner. They also have customers and suppliers that depend on them. Their own families depend on them mm-hmm. in terms of being successful in business and not losing the house and you know other financial capabilities. So the business owner has a tremendous amount of stress. And what we try to provide is really calm in the midst of a storm. I'm saying, you know, we've got the experience. We've been through this. At the end of the day, we have great respect for business owners because they're risk takers and they're the ones that make things happen. But on the other hand, it's not too hard to get them to acknowledge that they need help because right. it's, the problems are all around them. So, you know, you start, it's almost a little bit like triage, but in order to be successful, you have to have a good bedside manner. Mm, wow, that's well said. I think that's really a good point. And, and of course, when you come in to try to fix some of the problems, you got to make sure that you're dealing with somebody that wants to be fixed and not somebody that wants to justify where they're at. So, hey, I'm just really glad where you're at today, uh, Pat. I'm glad to have you here with us on the Leadership Lowdown. I'm glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Bercero. We'll be right back. something to grow it takes time like the equity in your home that's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit because frequent watering of your house plants may be recommended now can we get a new roof not so much the rest of the house want the best rates for a home equity line of credit ask for LaughQ stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity LaughQ your credit union for life You found the Michigan Business Network, and we found Leadership Lowdown right here. A special guest with us today is Pat O'Keefe. He's the founder and CEO of O'Keefe. And, of course, amazing things that you get into, Pat. We're glad to have you as part of the show today. And in the last segment, you mentioned something about business owners. And I know that Gino Whitman has created a platform for people to help that are entrepreneurs trying to take it to the next level. And one of the reasons why I bring that up is because so many times business owners start doing what they love and they build it and they create it and they just love it. But then all of a sudden they're running something that's way bigger than they might have even imagined. And it gets pretty ungangly. And then who do you talk to? How do you unpack all that? And you use the word lonely. 
And gosh, Pat, tell me about uh, some of the business owners you encounter along the way that end up in those lonely spots and maybe are looking to try to build and enhance their team. Well, you know, again, another you know great question and insight. I mean, Tina Whitman clearly has given entrepreneurs you know certain tools within their own organization that many use successfully, but a lot of times the issues it's maybe in comparison of sitting in the foxhole all day dodging bullets and hand grenades and you never really get a chance to survey the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And I think you know a lot of times business ownership makes mistakes in that they're making decisions off of bad information and sometimes there's a lack of accountability within their own organizations for change. And so you know the business owner may be a great engineer, they may be great marketing, they may you know be able to finance, but they have to wear all the hats. And sometimes they can't. They're just not capable of doing it either because they don't have the skill to do it or um, they don't have the time and capability and it's not their really true comfort zone and love. And so the ability to have people on the outside, and again, it could be a board member, it could be a confidant, it could be a trusted advisor, to really sit back and troubleshoot business problems is oftentimes the opportunity that is not taken to provide you know, the information that the business owner needs or at least the reflection on what his options are. Yeah. And so the beauty of our firm is that you know, we've handled hundreds and hundreds of transactions over numerous business cycles, and we've gotten to see the best practices of so many different industries. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people only see what's within their industry. They don't know, you know what other industries are doing maybe to solve the same problems. And we kind of laugh a little bit because we've got a very large receivership practice and chief restructuring officer practice where we actually go in and run different businesses. And people always say, well, what do you know about my business? And a lot of times... I don't need to know anything about your business because <laughs> it's oftentimes 90% process. And I'm going to assume that the 10% that I need to affect a solution here exists within your organization or with you. And so let's focus on how we're going to make decisions going forward and the information that we need to make them. And like, again, my reference and example to, you know, the foxhole situation is you don't get a chance to really survey the battlefield and figure out strategically what you need to do. Well, Pat, you know, you just hit something I really wanted to take a minute and unpack for a second, because when you think about people, I've known people in my coaching career, if you will, talking to people and even salesmen are trying to justify their mediocre results. They're trying to tell me how, yeah, those ideas don't apply to my business. And of course, it's interesting to me because the brilliance is being able to see success and then emulate that success by adopting various principles of what makes it great. And so I think what you just shared with us is that those business leaders that get into a corner and say, yeah, you just don't understand what I'm doing here. Well, that's true, but maybe you're not looking broad enough and understanding that successful platforms can be built, and then whatever you put on the platform, it really doesn't matter. And that's kind of the genius of what we're talking about with Gina Wickman's process as well. But I think that's got to be something really exciting for you as a consultant and somebody that comes in as a hired gun, if you will, slinging that going, wait a minute, there's some fundamentals we've got to talk about, and those fundamentals got to get straight. That's kind of the way it feels, right, Pat? Yeah, you know, it does. You have to be a good listener in my business, and I know this will sound with a certain level of arrogance, but I often tell business owners in the first meeting that I will tell them something about their business over the next two weeks that they don't know. Oh, wow. And they just cannot believe it. 
and I will tell you, it always happens because <laughs> we just have a different approach in solving business problems. In both crisis management and litigation support, all we see is problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see people who've made bad decisions somewhere along the way or have had some kind of level of conflict in probably thousands of transactions. The business owner maybe gets it once. Mm-hmm. And so we get a chance to see a lot of times what works and what doesn't work. Right. It can provide a whole you know, bag of tricks in terms of problem solving that the business owner can only imagine. I always enjoy talking to people about blind spots because it's invisible for them to see that they've got a blind spot they can't really unpack and discover it on their own because they just can't even see it, can't feel it, and don't understand it. That's why I think sometimes when we have people like yourself that has the opportunity to see broad, unique industries and you can bring that level of expertise and some of that vision into somebody that might have a few blind spots and a few challenges and it makes all the difference in the world. And Pat, you're making a great difference for us today. We're so glad you're here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vershero. We'll be right back. Perfectly managed meetings, carefully planned conferences, and beautiful beginnings. That's what you'll find at Treetops Resort. We have an ideal location just minutes from I-75 and over 25,000 square feet of meeting and convention space. No matter what you're planning, let our spectacular views, spacious lodging, and outstanding customer service show you why Treetops is Michigan's most spectacular resort. Get a no-hassle quote for your next meeting at treetops.com or call at 888-TREETOPS. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network, and thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown. Today we have with us Pat O'Keefe, founder and CEO of O'Keefe, and he does some amazing work all over the country, really, and we're just so glad we took a minute to have a break with him and share some of his thoughts. One of the things that I think is really impactful is entrepreneurs and business owners and business leaders There's an old saying, Pat, it's lonely at the top. And I guess I tend to understand that I've been in a few different situations where, you know, uh, you're the guy in charge, you walk into the room and nobody's telling you the truth. And that really is damaging to any organization. You need to be able to get to the truth and make sure it's safe for people to talk about those things. And some of the things that I think is powerful, too, is understand you don't know it all. And so if you don't know it all, who can help you round out some of those edges? And that's where I get into one of my favorite topics, which is mentorship. And when you think about it, Pat, there's got to be some people in your life that have meant a lot to you, and maybe you end up coaching mentorship. Tell me your thoughts on that. Well, you know, what's interesting now, Vic, is we've had a a couple of years of work at home. And there was a recent study done by one of the Wall Street investment firms about a giver employees the option of either staying to work at home or coming to the office. I can't remember if it was Goldman Sachs or J.P. Morgan who did the study, but what they learned is that typically their high performers wanted to be in the office. Hmm. So given the choice, they were coming in no matter what. And the reason for that was these high performers valued mentorship. 
being around the people who had experience, hearing the war stories, understanding you know what some of the life experiences that worked and didn't work, and to gain a perspective in problem solving in their own world. And I found that fascinating to me that high achievers felt that way. The problem today, quite frankly, is that a lot of the graduates that come out, they don't stay in positions long enough to even identify a mentor or have people take an interest in them. That's a good observation. Very good. Go, go with that. Tell me more about that. And as a consequence, you know, they just don't avail themselves of what I believe when you're a young person, and I know it works for me, is being around people who really have a lot of knowledge and experience that I don't have. And so I typically hung around an older crowd because I didn't really necessarily feel that I was going to learn anything from my peer group as much as I could learn from people who had been much older. I'll tell you a short story. I had a friend who uh, had a son who was on a soccer scholarship down at the University of Kentucky, and he wasn't doing good in school and decided he wanted to make sure that his parents could still afford his education if he wanted to drop soccer, which they said, fine, go ahead. And he graduates, he does live well in school, and he's out in the marketplace, he gets a job at a tier one supplier, and they only hired two kids. They hired him and a senior executive son who was a graduate from Harvard Business School. Oh boy. And they tell the kids that there's only one of them that's going to make it past one year. They're going to keep two for the first year, and only one's going to make it. So the kid comes home, he's feeling kind of intimidated by this. He's like, yeah, how am I ever going to you know, get past this guy's uh, Harvard degree? And you know, his dad is a senior VP at the company. And his dad says, what you need to do is to control what you can control. And that is your effort. And he says, you get to the office every day by 7, you make the first pot of coffee, you read the company's you know, business publications, the Wall Street Journal, whatever, make yourself available. But when everybody's leaving at 5 o'clock, you stay till 6. And you sit there and you do the same thing. You don't have something to work on. And he says the high performers typically have big projects. They're working late and they will look for resources. And you want to be available to them. So the kid does that. And, you know, he finds this guy, grabs him, and this guy grabs him, this gal grabs him. And he's all of a sudden working on a lot of projects. So the year comes by and they evaluate the two candidates. And lo and behold, he gets to keep the job and they let the other guy go. So he goes, back to his dad. He says, I can't believe this happened. And we'll find, you know, talk to some of the people you worked for. And he said, well, when we got to the room with the middle managers, everybody had an experience with you. And it was favorable. We often talk about, you know, things that you did for the company and you had a broad range of experience and a lot of people waited on. The other guy had nothing. <laughs> and so by, you know, making himself available in his own organization and taking on a variety of projects, he was in a position where they viewed him to be a valuable resource, and they cut the guy who arguably was, you know, at least more educated from a book standpoint. Wow. And I think, you know, for young people, it's not value. Membership is just not value. And I think it's a detriment to professional growth. And I think, you know, the study that was done by the Wall Street Investment Banking Group was interesting to me because the high performers seem to recognize it. Mm-hmm. Well, man, Pat, that is such a great story. I uh, reminisce of a doctor that uh, I heard a speech on. His name was Dr. Mescon. And his whole deal is, he says, if you really want to blow away the world, I mean, really get ahead in the world, he says, show up. And then he says, if you really want to just take them down and just spin everybody's head, show up on time. 
And then he says, if you want to just end the discussion altogether, show up early, dress to play, and do your work. And his whole point was is that, honestly, people appreciate the fact that there's not a sense of entitlement, but that there's somebody with their shoulder to the wheel. And especially when it comes to high performers, as you indicated, people that are working hard and are, are successful high performers, they just want to be surrounded by competent people. And so when you've got somebody like you just described, what a great story, what a great way for somebody, especially starting out in their career, tuning into this discussion, because, Pat, I think that's the price of admission right there, is uh, get there, make sure that you don't phone in the least amount of your effort, but let them know, here's somebody that's ready to do uh, all the right things every day. So, and Pat, man, that's just great stuff right there, worth the price of admission. Thanks so much for joining us today, and thanks for tuning in to the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. We're going to go pay some bills and come right back. Even if you just get an hour, imagine a stress-relieving treatment, hand and arm massage, and a free makeup touch-up. Does this happen every time you have your hair done? It does at Douglas J Salon. Get the entire experience exclusively using Avita products. Guests have experienced the Douglas J difference for 45 years. Douglas J with two locations, inside the Marriott Hotel and in Okemos. Make your reservation at either professional salon by calling 877-334-8657 or visit douglasj.com today. This is the Michigan Business Network, and we found Pat O'Keefe, founder and CEO of O'Keefe. And, of course, Pat, I'm just riveted at some of the stories you're sharing with us, and I just love them uh, completely. And as I think about it, we get to these commercial breaks, i got to cut everything off. Do you have anything else you want to add on our last segment? Because I think there's so much good stuff that comes from some of those stories. Well, you know, people don't value today, and, and Vic, you mentioned it before about just showing up on time. Showing up is important, and showing up on time is another. But one of my great mentors, who was a managing partner at Deloitte Detroit, Dick Gabries, who is uh, past, but he was probably the most significant molder of a lot of views that I have today. But he would have management meetings on Mondays at 7.30 to kind of set the game plan for the week. And inevitably, people would show up late, and it drove him crazy. <laughs> and so he would basically lock the doors at 7.30. So if you went there by then, you couldn't participate in the meeting, which, of course, you know, you see these grown men with their ear to the door trying to you know, listen to what's going on. In the meeting. <laughs> well, you know, years ago, I used to say, because it grinds me to no end to have a meeting that were people that show up on time and then everybody, well, we'll give it a few more minutes. We're waiting on a few more people that thought that were going to be here. And I'm like, no way. My theory is start your meeting on time so those that are late know they're late. <laughs> so I think that's kind of exactly what he just did. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm a firm believer in you don't reward bad behavior. But Dick, in order to send a message that said, well, I'll set the meeting at 7. And of course, somebody was late. Then it was six thirty. Then it was six. Then it was five thirty. Then it was five. Then it was four thirty. Of course, you know the guys—they got tired of this. They young families. They said, "We're going to show the old guy. We're going to be there early, you know, at four twenty, and we'll show him that we can do this." So of course, they carpooled. They arrived in the group so they could all be there on time at four twenty. And who do you think was waiting for them in the room? Dick Avery's. He was going to show them that, you know, he was going to be more accountable than they were, and he was sitting there waiting for them. And I think, you know, one of the things that's lost today is accountability. Mm. 
people. And this is kind of arcane story, but it works so well. I was involved in the due diligence team for the roll-up of Cambridge Industries, which started acquiring a very small company and grew to the very large tier one supplier doing a couple billion a year. And one of the guys, Dick Warnick, he had a rule uh, that everybody had to be ready for their piece of the meeting. So we'd have guys from marketing and production and finance and, you know, HR and everybody would have to give their report. And if you weren't prepared and had a complete report, in each corner of the room, there were stools with dunce caps on Oh, and wow. If you were not prepared, I'm talking, these are grown people. Yeah. He would ask you to step away from the meeting, put your back to the meeting, and put on the dunce cap. Well, I'm going to tell you, Vic, you only have to do that once. Just once. <laughs> Nobody wants to be that person. No way, yeah. <laughs> I traveled all over the United States with this guy. He was a crusty, you know, chain-smoking, uh, you know, no-holds-barred kind of guy because right. he was a change agent in a lot of the plants that they were going into. And time was never his friend, and he wasn't going to suffer fools. But I will tell you this. His team would have killed for him because they realized that they were making more money than they could have ever imagined. What he was asking for was not unreasonable, mm -hmm. and it depended on them to, only thing they had to provide was the accountability because he had the leadership. And they were highly successful. Yeah. And, you know, you would go onto these plants with them, and they were like the Roman army, man. They just marched through. They knew every machine, what their output was, what the problems were in the plant, and they worked as a team. But, you know, Dick set the tone. Early on, that's so cool. Um, and, it and people aren't used to that today. Not everybody cringes when they hear it. <laughs> well, it is kind of cringeworthy, but I have to tell you what it is. You just spike the ball when you think about accountability. And so I don't want to pass over that too quickly because I think there's a sense that in the management realm or it's so hard to find good people and all the other stuff, but we get into these scenarios where well, I don't want to lose them by putting too much pressure on them or whatever. But don't you think, Pat, that other people that are competent and pulling their share of the load, they look to the right, they look to the left, and they want to know that everybody in the organization is keeping pace. And when you have somebody that's not held accountable, doesn't that rip the heart out of those people that are giving you everything every day? Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, there's only so much that you could push on. Otherwise, you know, you have to get up to leave the organization. Uh, Mel Tucker had a great line. Actually, he's got a couple good lines on motivation. But one that struck me is that negative energy in an organization is seven times more powerful than positive. You want to be surrounded by positive people, but negative people can have a bigger impact on the success of the organization. And so those are the ones that you've got to cut out. And I find that to be, you know, very, very true. And the other one is... The aggregation of incremental improvement. You don't need to be surrounded by a bunch of superstars, but if everybody every day is working to get just a little better, the aggregation of that is very powerful within organizations. And I find that also to be very true. I love the old Japanese word, which is kaizen, which is gradual, non-ending improvement. I think that whole notion of every day we try to get a little bit better. And, of course, that's part of it, I think, is blind spots that people have, Pat, because so many times uh, in the world, if you're all that in a bag of chips, I mean, the bottom line is you're not growing. You're not discovering new things. And if there's any pixie dust I could sprinkle on anybody that's been in business for a while. It's their sense of wonder. How much do they open up the door and truly look for the great opportunities and get excited 
about what they see. And that kind of wonder can do some great things in terms of creating enthusiasm and really moving the ball forward and making people excited about what's going on. I'm excited about what's going on today, Pat, because you're here with us on the Leadership Lowdown. I'm excited you tune in to the Michigan Business Network. We're going to take a real quick break and come right back. Growing your business requires you to stay up-to-date in many areas. Foster Swift's Legal Impact Hour on Fridays provides the latest information on legal topics impacting Michigan businesses, from contracts to employment issues to health care to litigation. Listen to attorneys and business owners discuss the practical side of adhering to the laws that impact your day-to-day operations. That's Foster Swift's Legal Impact Hour, Fridays on MichiganBusinessNetwork.com or visit FosterSwift.com. This is the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. And, of course, right here on the network, we've got Pat O'Keefe, founder and CEO of O'Keefe. And Pat uh, is sharing a whole bunch of really fun stories and great insight in terms of some of the consulting work and the things he's found in business over the years. And, you know, Pat, when we talk about, I think what I like to suggest, we're talking about high performers and intentional people. In my opinion, you know, I've got a few years under my belt. And as I look back, I look around. People that show up successful, I don't think it happened by accident. There's an awful lot of people that looked at their world and did it very purposely and purposeful and did it in a way that they can be proud of their actions. And of course, a lot of that comes with in terms of goal setting and, you know, at least having a vision of where you want to go. Can you speak to that, the importance of that for maybe some of the younger people in the audience or those that are just struggling because they don't seem to be getting traction? Yeah, there's a great TED talk out there where he talks about, you know, if you offer people a job, they will work for your money. But if you offer them a vision, you know, a commitment, a purpose, then they will work with their blood, sweat, and tears. Mm-hmm. You know, within an organization, what you want to achieve. Because, you know, high performers are very successful, but sometimes only for a short period of time. And that you really need people who are willing to grind and do the day-to-day stuff and be successful at it. And, you know, having goals that you can strive for and achieve both individually and as an organization, I think, are integral. We do a little exercise, and I put my team through training on this every couple of years, that they have to be able to explain why somebody should hire our firm. Now, keep in mind, our business is 100% non-recurring, right, because we're only doing training. <laughs> Good point, you're right. <laughs> So it's a crazy business, but somehow, you know, we stayed in business for 21 years with no clients, so to speak. (laughs) But you have to be able to explain why somebody should engage our services as a firm and then why somebody should engage you to provide those services. And so it forces my consultants to really think about, you know, what is the value add that they provide that somebody's willing to pay money for the risk, their business livelihood on our outcome. And with the confidence that we can achieve what we say we're going to achieve. So testimonials are important. Stories are important. And, you know, it it really goes back to really getting people to think about our business rather than just doing the business. And it provides, I think, just a different approach as to what the success should be. I find 
that, you know, even like within meetings, we end every one of our meetings with what are to-dos. And everybody usually has something that they need to get accomplished before we meet again. And so we start with, you know, how we ended the last meeting with, you know, where are we at? And, you know, there are, you know, tools out there and things where they, you know, a status things is red, yellow, green. But the idea is to be able to talk about those things in a group. And if people are having trouble, accomplishing something as a team we're there to help them and provide them resources contacts information that they need to be successful and i think it doesn't allow anybody to be on an island you know relative to that and there's a sense of community within our own organization that you know the resources are there you're not judged and let's try to figure you know this out because as i said before the aggregation of incremental improvement helps all of us as an organization so we don't really get into a meet with another agenda until we figure out what was open for the last one and where we stand with it. And I think it's that level of accountability people not only appreciate, but it keeps them focused on what we need to yeah. do. Yeah, well, that word keeps coming up, that accountability thing. But before we get too far away from that, Pat, I want to, you said about the vision. And tell me, as a leader and as the founder of your organization and all the people you run into, tell me about what are some of the ways that you set that vision? Because I think that's where I think sometimes I run into leaders that have it in their mind, but they haven't communicated it very well. And I guess I'm wondering, wondering what your thoughts on how do you get that communication from the mind into action? Again, that's a great question. So what we did, and this goes back 10 years, is our business was starting to grow. We were known as O'Keefe and Associates. And as I got into other markets, people viewed that the and associates was a connotation for a smaller firm. So it gave us a chance to step back. I didn't care what we called. We call ourselves the ABC Consulting Company. So I said, let's figure out, you know, what it is that we are and how we're known by. So we did this exercise. I brought everybody in. It wasn't just my partners or the top management team. I brought everybody into this exercise. And we sat through and we said, okay, who do we think we are? You know, what is it that really defines our services and what can we prove? You feel this way that, you know, we're the greatest consulting firm in Michigan. You know, how do we demonstrate that? And three, what do our customers think, our clients? Mm. What do they think our strengths and weaknesses are? And so we did a survey to, you know, determine that. But we had a couple of lengthy roundtable discussions to figure out what we thought we were and what we could prove. And as you develop that, with those three circles, there started to be an intersection. Mm-hmm. Things as to what people we were, and which was eye-opening in some cases. And then in other cases, you know, what we thought we were and then what we could <laughs> prove. And what happened was we came up with the tagline, clarity results together. Mm-hmm. And so one of the key pillars of our services were business owners were making decisions with poor information. It wasn't that they were afraid of making decisions. It wasn't that they were good decision. They weren't good decision makers. The problem was the information that they were getting was not right. And so we thought clarity was very important. The second part of that was results. I mean, people pay a lot of money for our services. And at the end of the day, those resources are finite and they want a result. And so results were very important. And together, had kind of a double meaning for us because it was through clarity we will get results and so those two were kind of married together but also we wanted our clients to feel that we were part of their team that togetherness and the collaboration of our organization with their organization was important to us as a firm and so our vision 
developed with a lot of input from our client base and our team members as to you know what we were and we embrace that today i mean mm. everything we do is really geared through those three prongs well and i think the clarity thing is the big thing for all these leaders we run into and i think there's so much clarity in what you're sharing today pat i can't thank you enough and we're so glad you tuned in to michigan business network we're going to take a quick break and come right back Looking for high-quality office furniture on a budget? Stop by the office outlet at 516 North Larch in downtown Lansing for huge savings. We've got new and used office furniture from brand-name manufacturers, all at discounted prices. Browse through 5,000 square feet and save on seating, desks, files, storage, and more. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. The Office Furniture Outlet is your destination for office furniture on a budget. Visit us online at officeoutletyes.com. This is it, our final segment right here on the Leadership Lowdown for today. Right here on the Michigan Business Network, we've got Pat O'Keefe, founder and CEO of O'Keefe. And I am just so grateful that we have had the time together today. There's so many good things. And one of the things that takes some of a leader like this time is uh, the service that they do to their community and to those things that they feel are important. And of course, in today's world, any type of elected official, that's tough world. And of course, the being elected to the Board of Trustees for a major educational institution like Michigan State, that's a big job. So, Pat, has that been something that you've enjoyed? How many years have you been in that position? So I'm just starting my second year. It's, it was busy last year. I mean, we recruited a new CFO and an athletic director. This year, we issued a century bond, which was kind of fun for me being on the finance side. Oh, yeah. I went into it really because I have a high commitment to education. I mean, if you look at my charitable endeavors, they usually revolve around um, education of some sort. And I thought, you know, the high cost of tuition in, in the whole education process at the colleges needs to be, you know, looked at. And, you know, my opinion is that we don't produce graduates who really understand what critical thinking is all about. And so, therefore, they're in some cases, not as useful to me as I think they could be. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what are the best models? And again, I have a lot of organizational experience. And, you know, the one model that is not really used is really putting a chief executive officer in charge of these universities. If you look at Michigan's three research universities, Wayne State, Michigan, and Michigan State, they're all run by biomed scientists. Mm. And so when you look at a $3 billion organization like Michigan State, you know, you essentially put somebody from a single discipline who's supposed to be, have some level of knowledge and leadership in strategic planning, marketing, finance, you know, HR, you know, organizational behavior. And that's not their skill set. That's not where they spent most of their life's experience. But my view always was that you need somebody above that who provides those skills, who has demonstrated expertise in providing those skills, and is really the conductor of the orchestra. Yeah. And instead, that's not what we have. And so, you know, it's a little frustrating is the amount of time it takes for decisions to be made, the people who make the decisions. And in my world, time is money. Right. So if you're going to make a change, you've got to make it quickly. As General Patton said, the best decision executed too late is not as good as, you know, an average decision 
done on a timely basis. And there's a lot of truth to that because sometimes organizations get stuck and they don't move quick and take advantage, you know, opportunities that they had. And I'm somebody who's always trying to find a differentiator. When I look at organizations, there's always one or two things that they do very well. It's not a hundred things. It's not 10 things. It's one or two. And so my view has always been to try, as it comes to Michigan State, to be a leader. One of the disappointments I had is how we treated COVID on campus with the masking and the mandates um, for vaccines and boosters. Uh, I'll throw away the freedom of choice argument for a second, which I'm a big uh, proponent of, and ask the simple question, which I thought we missed an opportunity, which is really in the health, wellness, and treatment of COVID. If you look around at all the research hospital universities in the United States, nobody really focused on treatment and prevention. And I thought for Michigan State, we had an opportunity there to be leaders in the medical field. If you notice, between Dr. Stanley and Norm Beauchamp, you know, we've executed on some great joint ventures with McLaren, Henry Ford Hospital, Sparrow and the like. And, you know, we're trying to really make a push in that area. To me, that was a differentiator. But I'm a strategist. You know, I think about these things and try to figure out, you know, where we can make a move that nobody else is making that seems to be consistent with our mission. And yet none of that happened. And so, again, I think sometimes the strategy, at the end of the day, we've got to figure out how to stand out as a university academically and be value-add to our um, student, who is our primary customer. Well, and, and Pat, you know, you've offered so much in terms of bringing all that level of experience. I wish you well in that, in that responsibility, and, and man, I wish we had uh, more time today. Before we wrap up here, I just wonder, how do people get a hold of you? Because you've got a lot to say and a lot to offer. What are our options? Yeah, our website is O-K-E-E-F-E-L-L-C.com, so O-K-E-E-F-E-L-L-C.com, and uh, we can be reached in the Bloomfield area at 248-593-4810. Pat, you are remarkable. I can't honestly tell you thank you enough for uh, what you've shared today and for being a part of this show. Thank you, sir. Vic, it's a pleasure. Always happy to talk about this topic. Yeah, good stuff, and you're good at it. So we're so grateful for people like Pat O'Keefe, and we're grateful for people like you that tune into the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vershero. This is the Leadership Lowdown. Can't wait to talk to you next time.